0: Welcome to the Brain and Body Health Podcast, where we discuss health issues and natural-based strategies to overcome them. Hey, it's Dr. Huntsman. Today I'm gonna talk about uh, something I get asked about a lot, and that, you know, it's usually the question of, Doc, I'm I'm eating right, I'm doing everything I I think I should, and I still can't lose weight. So we call that weight loss resistance, um, a very common problem. I'm gonna go over the five things that I see most commonly causing this and give you some tips and some strategies you can use so that you can break through those plateaus and get the weight coming off more quickly. So the first one I want to talk about, is called metabolic adaptation. Okay. So this is basically when your body has just adapted to the amount of food that you're eating. You know, our, our brains are, are very smart. They're very capable of, of protecting us. And so it'll change based on how much you're eating. So if you're someone who's been dieting for a long time, you know, you've really reduced your calories for a long time and, and maybe you were losing weight at first, but then you've stopped. It's because your body adapted to the calorie intake. Most, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of talking about calories, but but in this context, it's important. We got to make sure we're giving our body enough food. When it doesn't have enough of the macronutrients, you know, the proteins, the fats, uh, it can't make the hormones that we need. Or it, it decreases the amount of hormones because it wants to go into conservation mode. You know, it's kind of like there's a thermostat. And as the, as the calories go down, the body turns down that thermostat. So we're not burning as much. Okay. You know, I've had a lot of people where I had to tell them to increase their food intake. And that's what triggered the weight loss is as soon as we got those calories back up a little higher and we increased it by usually adding protein or some good healthy fat, then they take off and and they do much better. So, um, you know, some of the signs that that you might be dealing with, with metabolic adaptation would be that, that you've hit a plateau, you know, things were going well. You know, maybe the first month or two, you were really losing weight well, and then it slowed down, and then it just stopped. Even, even though you're eating you know, just as well as you were before, um, you hit a plateau. Feeling cold is a common one. The body's conserving energy, so it's, it's not going to uh, produce the heat that you need, so you won't get as much thermogenesis. Um, and then fatigue. Fatigue. Fatigue is a really common sign that um, you're not eating enough. Um, A lot of people I work with, you know, they they get fatigued and they think, oh, it must be my thyroid or it must be my adrenals or, you know, something like that. And it can be, you know, often those are involved. But a lot of times I look at their diet and I say, you're not eating enough food. We got to get your food intake up and your energy will get better. So those are some signs of metabolic adaptation. So what do you do? Is the question. Now, the the biggest thing that I like to do for this is, is change up the calorie intake you know, we'll, we'll increase it for a couple of days and then maybe we do a fasting day. You know, we want to vary it. So, so we're cycling through. So the body doesn't have a chance to adapt because we're constantly changing, you know, and this can sound a little annoying, but the, the best way to do it is through fasting. So on your, on your eating days, you just eat the same. And then you have a fasting day where you skip breakfast or you skip, skip dinner actually even works a little better. Um, can be a little harder to skip dinner, um, you know, with family and, and social stuff, but so changing up, you know, what we're eating each, you know, each day so that the brain doesn't have a chance to adapt works really well. Increasing muscle mass helps with this as well, because, you know, as we increase the muscle mass, we have to burn more because muscle is metabolically more active than fat tissue. So adding in some strength training, if you're not, or increasing, maybe you've plateaued or your strength training and you need to up your weights. You need to, you know, up your intensity, things like that. And then the other thing is just really look back at your diet um, and maybe we just need to add in some protein, add in some fats. Maybe we need to cut carbs for a little bit, you know, just change things up. That's the best way to get through this. And usually within a couple of weeks, people will bust through these plateaus if metabolic adaptation is the problem. The second issue that I see, and these aren't necessarily in any particular order, but um, gut microbiome issues, so the, the gut bacteria, you know, our, our gut is kind of like a garden, there's all these things growing in it, you know, a ton of bacteria. Um, you'll, you'll often hear that there's more bacteria DNA than, than our own DNA. Um, I don't think that's really true based on what I've read, but it's, it's pretty close to one-to-one at very least. So we, we have trillions of bacteria in us, and the good and bad, you know, right? If you're growing a garden, you've got good plants, you've got bl- bad plants. The big thing that the bacteria do for us, you know, they're involved in our immune system, but they also are crucial fi- for digesting our food, absorbing nutrients and even managing our weight. You know, there's been a lot of studies showing certain types of bacteria that, you know, you'll find more in lean people versus, you know, heavier people. They've, they've actually taken bacteria from the stomach of rats that are thin and they'll put it into rats that are obese and those rats will become thin just by changing the gut bacteria. Because those, those gut bacteria control a lot of our cravings, right? So if we're feeding ourselves a bunch of sugar, We're going to crave sugar because the bacteria in our gut that feed on sugar will grow and then they're going to crave the sugar. Okay, so, you know, disruptions in the gut microbiome are huge um, and it happens all the time. Um, We live in a very toxic world to our gut bacteria. A lot of the food we eat, the pesticides, herbicides, all that stuff on our food wrecks havoc on them. Antibiotics will, will affect them. You know, if we have to go on a course of antibiotics, we got to make sure we're repairing that damage because the antibiotic, it'll just kill everything. And so there, there's been a lot of, lot of studies on this showing how important gut bacteria health in our gut microbiome is to weight loss. So some indications that, that this might be the issue you're dealing with, the big one, of course, is digestive problems, you know, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, gas, you know, all those kinds of things, trouble digesting, fiber, vegetables, fruit, you know, if you struggle with those foods, that's usually a sign that, that you have a microbiome issue or dysbiosis, as we call it. Cravings, again, I talked about, you know, especially like strong cravings for sugar, refined carbs, that just shows you probably have a, an imbalance in there of the, you know, the type of bacteria you don't want. And then um, actually mood fluctuations can be a pretty good indicator of the gut microbiome because, of the, you know, there's microbiome in every part of us. So we have a brain microbiome as well, and it's very linked to the gut microbiome. And so, you know, if we're having gut issues, plus we have some mood issues, that's a pretty good indication that, that maybe we have some dysbiosis going on. So the, the quickest way, easiest way to diversify, you know, the, the bacteria in our gut is to diversify your diet. Now, if you're someone who struggles with digesting plants, um, this may not work for you. But for a lot of people, what you can do is you just take up a bunch of, you know, cauliflower, or broccoli, carrots, you know, just a bunch of different vegetables. You chop them all up and you just throw those in a smoothie once a day. You know, we want it to be a low sugar smoothie, but, you know, getting a diversity of plants, uh, different plant fibers, it really changes the gut bacteria. Now on the supplement side, of course, there are prebiotics and probiotics and even postbiotics. And and they do have their place. I, I'm a bigger fan of prebiotics and postbiotics. Um, so the prebiotics would be the food that, the bacteria eat. And so that's, you know, along the lines of, you know, eating the vegetables you know diversifying the vegetables. And usually a prebiotic, you'll, you'll see them in like a drink or a green powder or something like that. Most green powders are prebiotics. And then postbiotics would be something like butyrate. Uh, I'm a big fan of butyrate. It's, it's not going to change the gut bacteria necessarily, but butyrate is one of the beneficial things that our gut bacteria make for us. And so, you know, by, by supplementing with that, we can overcome some of the deficiencies we might be experiencing in our gut. And then the, the last one, just be anytime you you know have to go on some antibiotics, if you've had antibiotics in the past, take probiotics with it, make sure that, that we're mitigating some of that damage. All right, next one. So this is the one that I probably see the most commonly other than metabolic adaptation. And this would be insulin resistance. You've heard me talk about insulin resistance a lot. Now, insulin is the key to losing weight. If we have too much insulin around and our body's not responding to it, our fat cells will not shrink. And on the flip side, our fat cells cannot grow unless insulin is around. Now, insulin resistance, again, is when your body's been producing so much insulin for so long that it just... stops responding to it. Um, And so then you got to produce even more insulin, you know, and insulin isn't necessarily the bad guy. Insulin is necessary for health, you know, it's necessary for life, but we need it to do its job quickly and go away. Insulin's main job is to tell the body what to do with sugar um, and excess sugar. So it's excess sugar that causes the insulin problem. And it's been tied to diabetes, heart disease, pretty much every chronic disease has been tied to insulin resistance. So, How do you know if this is something you're dealing with? Um, There's quite a few symptoms, but the the ones that I look for would be fatigue after your meals. You know, if you're one that eats lunch and like by two, three o'clock, you're wiped. That's a pretty good sign that we're having a blood sugar issue. Uh, Increased thirst and hunger. You know, those are also common signs. Fatigue is another one for insulin resistance. An easy way to know, and this does require a little bit of lab work, but it's, it's pretty cheap lab work. There's five things to look at. Now, if your waist circumference, you know, you measure at your waist, you know, just a little bit, you know, like two inches below your belly button. If that's more than double your height, that's an indicator. If your blood pressure is above 130 over 85, you know, or if you're on blood pressure medication, uh, blood sugar over, uh, fasting blood sugar over 100, triglycerides over 150, and HDL less than 50 for women or 40 for men. Um, So if you've, especially if you've, fit all five of those odds are you're insulin resistant. Okay. Now, if, if you just have a few of those, you probably have some degree of insulin resistance. Um, you know, other signs are like, you know, if, if you lose weight well, but you struggle to lose weight around your belly, classic insulin resistance. Okay. So what, so what do we do about insulin resistance? The big thing is we got to drop the carbs, especially the refined simple carbs. Okay. The, the chips, the crackers, the breads, the pastas, you know, everyone, everyone knows those and focus on things that are Um, have more complex carb to them, you know, fruits can, can cause some issues, but vegetables are great for insulin resistance. Um, pretty much all vegetables are okay. You know, outside of like potatoes, um, those, those starchier ones, but, um, sweet potatoes are okay. Even things like beans can be useful. Um, generally when I'm working insulin resistance with people, I tell them to go keto, So really just drop those carbohydrates back pretty far. Exercise helps a lot with insulin resistance. Again, building that muscle mass um, can make a big difference. Okay, so next one. This is, this one is, is getting more and more common, unfortunately. Um, seeing it more and more. This is toxin buildup. We live in a very, very toxic world as far as, you know, in many ways, but but definitely chemically. A lot of people have heard of glyphosate. That's the one I rant about the most. Um, it's the main ingredient in Roundup. There are other things in Roundup. So Roundup poisons us in many ways. Now, the problem is that for, just for glyphosate, for example, is they spray it on a lot of our food right before they harvest it. So especially like grains like wheat and corn and soy, rice, things like that get sprayed with glyphosate. They also often get sprayed with another chemical called atrazine, um, which is just another pesticide, herbicide type thing. And glyphosate is just terrible for us. It wrecks our gut microbiome. It has indications for cancer. It's actually been shown to cause certain types of cancer and indicated in many others. It's neurotoxic to our brain. It causes leaky gut. You know, all these things that glyphosate does to us. And 70% of the food at the grocery store has glyphosate in it. Um, Our water will get it in it as well. You know, we live in a you know, agricultural area. And a lot of the farmers are using it. So when you see a good indicator of if something has glyphosate in it is, is if it's a GMO product. Um, the reason they do these genetically modified, you know, wheat and corn and stuff like that, it's mainly so that it'll be resistant to glyphosate so that when they spray the roundup on it, um, or just straight glyphosate in in some cases, it won't kill the wheat. And so then, you know, they can just spray these crops to kill the weeds and the wheat and the corn are fine. So if it's a GMO corn, which is really hard to avoid anymore, it has glyphosate in it. If it's a GMO wheat, same thing, you know, any GMO product. But even a lot of non-GMOs do it, they, you know, these, these farmers use it. Now, if it is certified organic, it will have significantly less glyphosate. It still might have a little bit of a trace glyphosate from, you know, just from fields around it. It'll get a little contamination, but it'll have significantly less, you know, a certified organic product. They can't use glyphosate in in any part of the process. The most common or the, sorry, the highest foods for glyphosate would be honey nut Cheerios of all things are one of the highest, Um, any, any form of Cheerios. They have really high glyphosate. I'm not sure why that is. Just something to do with the way they do those oat crops, I guess. Anything made by Nature Valley, um, you, know, you, you see those granola bars, things like that. They are also very high in glyphosate. You, often for, for these products, you're like seven to eight times what is considered the safe limit. Um, the safe limit, they say, is about 150 parts per billion. And uh, Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios has close to 900 parts per billion per serving. Um, so you're getting a lot of glyphosate there. And I, I think the, the 150 number is, is too high. Um, anyway, so, so, you know, there's other toxins too. There's plastics, there's heavy metals, there's all these things in our environment and we can't avoid them. So we we just have to do our best to lower our exposure, um, and then support things, you know, do things to support the detox. Okay. So some signs that you're dealing with a toxin issue would be unexplained weight gain. Um, you know, you're just gradually gaining weight, even though you're not really changing your diet. Fatigue is a r- another big one. So you see fatigue kind of crosses a lot of these, but fatigue with toxins is huge. Uh, sensitivity to smells. That is really common with toxin issues um, because it's a sign of a gut issue and the gut issue often has been caused by the toxin. Um, so if someone is like really sensitive to perfumes, things like that, I often look at toxins. Um, so what do we do to reduce our toxin exposure? Again, eating organic as best we can. You know, it can get expensive, but, but certain things are well worth it. If you look up, uh, there's a list called the Dirty Dozen, and it's just, you know, 12 um, plants and, and, you know, fruits and vegetables that, that are the most contaminated, like strawberries are, like, at the top of the list. Sweet potatoes are, uh, I think sweet potatoes are on the Clean 15, actually, but bell peppers are on there. there. There's others. Look, if you just search Dirty Dozen toxins, you'll find it. So eating organic, you know, as often as we can. Um, supporting detox. So the, the things that support detox would be like leafy greens, beets are really good at detox as much as I'd say they taste like dirt and I don't want to eat them. Saunas can, can help us. I did a whole episode on detox. So you can go back and listen to that, but saunas do help us eliminate toxins through the skin. We just got to make sure we're sweating before we get in there. Cause if you start doing a sauna, but you're not one that sweats very much, uh, those toxins are going to get out and they're just going to cause problems because they're not going to come out the skin. So we got to make sure we're doing there limit plastic use, um, especially don't heat your food in plastic, right? If you, if you store some food in the fridge and Tupperware whatever, you know, that's fine. Usually um, as long as you're not putting the food in too hot, but before, when you go to heat it up, take it out of the, the plastic, you know, better is to not even use the microwave. The microwave has other issues, but if you are going to use the microwave, just throw it on a, you know, on a plate, I I make sure, you know, anytime we're we're heating something up for their kids, even if we're going to use maybe a a plastic plate, which I don't love, we always heat it up on a ceramic plate or or something like that. So there are supplements that are great for detox. Um, I I often put people on detox protocols. Um, I don't think a weight loss program is complete unless we're addressing some detox because the other thing with, with toxins is they build up in the fat, And so sometimes the brain doesn't want to let go of those fat cells because it knows the toxins are there. Um, You know, the fat cells are almost acting like the landfill and the brain saying, I can't let go of this until I can get it out of here. And so supporting the detox systems of methylation and and things like that sometimes is the key to to losing weight. Now, the last one I want to talk about is inflammation. Um, You know, inflammation gets a bad name. Inflammation in and of itself is not a bad thing. We need inflammation. That's how our body heals. The problem is when the inflammation becomes chronic and doesn't turn off. Okay. So that's, you know, the inflammation is basically an alarm that the body has. And, and sometimes, you know, you got to hit that snooze button, you got to turn the alarm off and it just doesn't turn off. Chronic inflammation interferes with our hormones. Um, it increases cortisol, which messes with our appetite and it makes weight loss a lot harder. It basically tells your body to be in a storage mode because it's saying, I need all these resources to deal with this issue that it's having. Um, and chronic inflammation can be caused by a lot of things. You know, basically, all the things we talked about up to this cause chronic inflammation. So usually chronic inflammation isn't there by itself. You know, We have to address these other things along with it, You know, maybe a gut issue or an insulin resistance, toxins, all those kind of things. But a good indicator that the inflammation is our problem would be pain you know, chronic joint pain, um, obviously is a sign of inflammation. Um, so if you're someone who's struggling to lose weight and your joints are killing you all the time, we know we got an inflammation problem. Fatigue is another big one for, for inflammation. So again, if you're, if you're struggling to lose weight and you're having a bunch of fatigue, you got one of these issues going on. So you, we've really got to look at it. Another thing would be like skin issues. You know, someone gets eczema, rashes, things like that. You know, the, the skin is often a reflection of the gut. So if I'm seeing skin issues, there's gut issues going on too generally. Um, and, you know, those gut issues are, you know, we got to get to the bottom of that, but that is a sign that the gut is inflamed. So what do we do for chronic inflammation? Obviously we need to address the underlying cause. Um, if it's a gut issue, toxin issues, you know, food issue, you know, al- allergies, you know, food sensitivities can cause inflammation. Um, so we got to address that, but there's things we can do to help it as well. So that would be, you know, an anti-inflammatory diet. You know, so that that's usually going to look like something more like a Mediterranean diet. We're eating high omega three foods like fish, um, and we're eating turmeric, ginger, lots of vegetables. You know, low sugar fruits, things like that. And we can also use supplements. Turmeric is a is a decent supplement for inflammation. Um, omega threes are my go to. You know, fish oil, and make sure we get a good quality fish oil, and then magnesium. Um, those those are the ones I tend to reach for if we're dealing with inflammation. Uh, managing stress is, is, a big part of inflammation, making sure that, you know, we're, we're not overly stressed, which, which is hard uh, a lot, you know, a lot of times, but you're raising a family and you got a job and, you know, everything, but we just got to make sure we're, we're adapting to the stress. And, you know, if there's things in our life that are just causing way too many issues, um, we need to make sure we, you know, either remove them or, or change it so that we're, we're better able to deal with it. And then sleep is huge for inflammation. Um, sl- bad sleep can cause weight loss resistance just by itself. And so making sure that you're getting seven to nine hours of good sleep helps reduce inflammation. It will help you lose weight as well just by, you know, making sure we're sleeping enough. Um, so those, those are the five things that I see the most. There are other causes of weight loss resistance, but for most people, if you start here, um, you're going to break through that plateau. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. Um, If if you need help on your weight loss journey, please get in contact with me. Uh, I would love to help you. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk soon. If you're learning from and enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on both Apple and Spotify. You can also leave us a five-star review on both. This is a great way to help the podcast grow. If you have any questions for me, please reach out to me on Twitter at Dr. Rich Huntsman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Take Back Your Health with Dr. Richard Huntsman. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. The content presented here is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical question or before embarking on any new health program.